What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Fred Thiel is the CEO of Marathon Digital Holdings, one of the largest Bitcoin miners in North America. In this conversation, we discuss Bitcoin mining, ESG Bitcoin, OFAC-compliant blocks, Taproot, and what Marathon plans to do moving forward. I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Fred, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Revolut. Back to the basics for a second. I've partnered with Revolut, a finance app in the US and the UK that say they're the simplest way to access crypto. They're putting their money where their mouth is. You can sign up, make three card transactions, and they'll give you $15. That's right, $15 for free, literally for free. What can you do with $15? You can exchange for Bitcoin or any of the other tokens, a token uh, that Revolut supports. Yes, they are crypto enabled. These guys have made it easier to get some skin in the game. And as usual, when you move your money from fiat to crypto, capital's at risk. So go check out Revolut today. They're a brand new entrant to the US market from Europe, and they've got what they claim is the simplest way to access crypto. Go check it out. You can download the app, go to revolut.com slash pomp to get a $15 reward and put them to the test. Revolut.com slash pomp. Next up are my friends at Exodus. Exodus is leading the world out of the traditional financial system by building beautiful and user-friendly blockchain products. With its focus on design and user experience, Exodus has become one of the most popular and loved cryptocurrency apps. It's supported on both desktop and mobile, allowing you to sync your wallet across multiple devices so you can have access to your funds anywhere. You can instantly exchange around 100 different cryptocurrencies straight from your wallet. Interactive charts let you view an asset's price history and your portfolio's performance over time. And maybe the best part, Exodus is integrated with the Treasure Hardware Wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Visit exodus.com slash pomp for your free download or search Exodus on the App Store or the Play Store. Again, exodus.com slash pomp for your free download or search Exodus on the App Store or the Play Store. Last but not least is crypto.com, the easiest place to buy and sell 100 plus cryptocurrencies. They've got 10 plus million users. They've got a Visa card that gives you up to 8% back instantly and a ton back on Spotify and Netflix. Also, crypto.com lets you earn high rates of interest on various cryptocurrencies as well. You can get $25 when you download the crypto.com app using code POMP today. Again, go download their app. You get $25 if you use code POMP. Go download the link to the app by clicking on the link in the description. I'm sorry, go download the app by clicking on the link in the description. They confused me there. Download the app, click on the link in the description. Go check them out. Let me know what you think. All right, let's get into this episode with Fred. Hope you enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys. Bang, bang. Got Fred here. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Great to be here. Absolutely. Let's just get started with Marathon and kind of your background. So uh, Marathon is uh, one of the largest Bitcoin miners in North America. What did you do before you were on the board and then became the CEO? So 25 plus years running technology companies across a variety of sectors. FinTech was a big one. Uh, Matter of fact, my first programming job was at a bank. Um, So grew up really understanding the friction in the financial markets. Um, 
was had the good fortune of taking some companies public, doing a lot of M&A, and then switched to the dark side, became a private equity managing partner and did leverage buyouts of tech companies, and then started advising really large funds um, and tech companies. Uh, I had known the um, CEO of Marathon, Merrick, um, former CEO, now executive chairman, for many years socially. Our kids grew up together. And um, you know, I joined the board in 2018 really to help him with kind of this transition to Bitcoin mining and blockchain. I've always been fascinated by blockchain. I think it's a great um, leveler. If you look at kind of how the internet developed and brought kind of um, the democratization of information, I think people exposing data on the blockchain is going to change how businesses operate. You can imagine companies like Salesforce who effectively hold your CRM data hostage. If all that data were on the blockchain, not only could you use Salesforce to access it and gain benefit from it, but you could use other applications. So I think there's just a, we're so early in this blockchain development. Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies are just one part of it. Um, I'm a big believer in the Bitcoin blockchain being a foundation for financial institutions, very secure, fully decentralized network. Uh, you know, you can say other things about Ethereum. I think it has some great benefits, but it still is less decentralized than the Bitcoin blockchain. And there's just so much you can do. So I, I was very excited to have the opportunity to step into more of an operating role mm -hmm. uh, at Marathon. And I think now is the time where you'll see the miners become more professional companies. You know, we're real enterprises. Uh, if you just look at the build-out plans most of us have, you know, we'll be billion-dollar revenue companies within the next year and a half to two years. And those become big companies, and they need to be run in a proper way with good governance. Give us an overview of Marathon in terms of just staff, revenue, uh, kind of footprint globally or in North America, just kind of when somebody says to you, hey, you know, tell me more about kind of the progress of Marathon. How do you describe the, the progress? Sure. So progress to date, uh, we just published an update um, at the beginning of the month. And so we're at the point where we've rolled out close to uh, about 20,000 miners at this point of the 103,000 we're rolling out over the course of the, this year uh, into Q1 of next year. Uh, so revenues are beginning to ramp. Um, and uh, we went in in January, bought about $150 million of Bitcoin to put on our balance sheet. Uh, you know, we're a very wealth capitalized company. We have no debt, uh, close to a little over $400 million of liquid assets today. And we're very focused on just building out our production. Um, so we'll be at about a uh, little over 10 exahash of hash rate come Q1 of next year. Uh, we're a little over just hitting two right now. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the growth rate's happening nicely. We're seeing great production of Bitcoin in our pool. Um, which has been great. And you, we're not kind of cross this threshold where we're producing over 10 Bitcoin a day, which is great, and uh, marching forward. So we're super excited about our progress. And uh, geographically, everything's in North America, one facility, multiple facilities? Multiple facilities. So we have uh, current facility we're building out mostly from is in Hardin, Montana. And uh, that'll have about 100 megawatts, a little over 30,000 miners. And then uh, we recently announced uh, the new facility in Texas, which will be about 70,000 miners, uh, predominantly mostly carbon neutral or renewable energy. Got it. Um, let's just jump into there's basically three main topics, I think, that everyone's talking about marathon. And uh, I always caveat these conversations with the following. Uh, one, most people immediately jump to conclusions right before hearing uh, uh, kind of the other side of the story. Uh, two is that um, when there's controversy, people always think that it's negative impact on a business. So I look at a, a Robinhood, right? Everyone was like, you know, drop Robinhood and everyone's yelling and screaming about GameStop and then the halting of trading of stocks. User acquisition for them went up more than ever, right? So like th there's this like Streisand effect that occurs. Uh, and then three is 
um, there can be a separation between the uh, kind of philosophy and then the actual application, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's most important just like, hey, here's three questions. Like, what what is the answers? Uh, so let's start with ESG Bitcoin, right? Um, there's some people who believe uh, every Bitcoin is a Bitcoin. It doesn't matter where it's mined, how it's mined. A Bitcoin's Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and they're completely fungible. Uh, there is this kind of new conversation around uh, separating or creating premium for uh, maybe a country that it's mined in or a specific energy mix that it's used to, to mine the Bitcoin. Kind of what's happened so far for you guys from uh, this perspective? And then, like, where are you guys going or how do you think about this moving forward? Sure, great question. So um, you know, we listen to two audiences, the Bitcoin community and the institutional investor community, being a public company. The institutional investors, when asked, you know, do you want a Bitcoin that is green? They say yes. Do you want a Bitcoin that is OFAC compliant? And they say yes. Uh, so based on that, we developed plans to try and develop virgin coins that would be uh, environmentally sustained, mined using environmental uh, methods, and that would be OFAC compliant. What we quickly learned, however, was that the financial institutions weren't willing to pay extra for that Bitcoin. So it's kind of like saying all Bitcoin really are the same, but you know, we'd like to be able to say, this is the financial institutions, that the Bitcoin we buy are sustainably mined and that they're you know, fully OFAC compliant. But if they're not willing to pay for that, there's no reason to do it. And so we then reversed our stance. Um, and quite publicly on Memorial Day weekend, you know, I put out a video saying, you know, we're going back to the vanilla node. Uh, we're going to develop and uh, mine Bitcoin just like everybody else, the exact same Bitcoin, no different. And uh, yes, we hold all our Bitcoin on our balance sheet. And you know, we're somebody to come along and say, I'll pay you extra for Bitcoin that hasn't been put in any other wallets. You know, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but, um, you know, that could happen down in the future. But I think really the community believes in the fungibility of Bitcoin. All Bitcoin are the same. Um, I'm a believer in that as well. I think that the, you know, the financial institutions from a regulatory perspective need to answer to their investors and to the regulators. And I think that's all going to sort itself out. I think the miners are going to become more transparent about ESG. We're going to become more transparent about what are our commitments. You know, mm -hmm. we've already made a commitment that, uh, you know, our uh, next deployment of 70,000 miners will be fully carbon neutral and we'll take the existing fleet that we have, make that carbon neutral over the course of next year. So we'll be 100% carbon neutral and, you know, we'll be tracked and held accountable to that by the public markets over the course of the next year. Um, and then I think it's really going to be a question of how the market develops with what sort of financial instruments people develop. Um, you know, a fund, for example, could say, I'm only going to buy sustainably mined Bitcoin and put it in my fund. And then they could sell shares of that fund to institutional investors. And that's a way to kind of get at the differentiation on behalf of financial institutions without the miners having to do anything other than we're just going to keep carrying on mining our Bitcoin just like everybody else. So it's fascinating to me that the financial institutions do this, right? And I think this is why the Bitcoin community kind of revolts so heavily against this, right? Is almost this belief that like the ESG conversation is just pure virtue signaling, right? So if you're demanding ESG Bitcoin, which frankly isn't a thing, right? It's it's almost saying, hey, I have a Bitcoin, and like where did it come from? Where was it sourced from, right? Yep. To, to some degree, uh, but it's acknowledging that all the Bitcoin is the same. It's just the the production process is different. Um, but are not willing to pay more for it. Means that actually they don't put more value on it. It's pure virtue signal. Yeah, right? exactly. And then I think the second piece is when you get to like the OFAC compliance stuff, right? 
the Bitcoin community believes, well, the whole point of Bitcoin is that you don't censor any transactions. Uh, the financial system is built on literally censoring transactions. Uh, and actually, they weaponize the dollar and you know yep. all that stuff. But they're not willing to pay more for that either, right? And so, again, it, it's kind of all virtue signaling. It's all conversation. It's all, uh, I want you to think I'm a good person. But when it comes down to it, we actually see no difference in value between any of this stuff. And so, do you think that uh, the conversation goes away? Or do you think that actually the financial institutions like kind of make uh, financial products or like, like how does this play out in terms of we've been able to decipher, like, don't listen to what they say, watch what they do with their money. Uh, but does that necessarily mean that they won't go after this? Or do you think that like, this is only going to get louder? It's going to become more uh, of kind of a mainstream conversation? Uh, I think part of it is very much virtue signaling by the institutions because their activist investors are holding them to the to that mandate. Um, so I, I think it's not going to blow over. Just the conversation will continue to be there. Um, miners really have an incentive of becoming more uh, environmentally sustainable. Um, it's the right thing to do, not just for the planet, but for the industry. And what's great about um, mining in North America is that um, we have a very good grid system, generally speaking, where you can really purchase electricity based on a blend of power sources. And so you have that ability to be you know, predominantly renewable. Uh, you can use carbon offsets for certain things. You can use RECs. There are lots of ways to kind of mitigate the impact you're having on um, uh, the climate from that perspective and the environment. However, you know, Bitcoin miners and the industry plays a key role for power because we enable a renewable wind farm or solar farm to get into business and provide baseload for us. Um, and then build out their dist power distribution network. You know, the biggest problem in power today is not that there isn't enough of it that's green. It's it can't get to the right places. And that's a grid and distribution mm -hmm. issue. And, you know, 200 gigawatts of power is lost a year in this country just by heat in distribution lines. And, you know, you could mine a lot of Bitcoin if you just put that base load on a facility where they're doing solar or, uh, or wind. And until battery storage technology gets there, I think you're going to find... Bitcoin miners are the key drivers of investment in renewable energy. I've continued to say this, and literally I've had everyone from the climate change folks come after me to the mainstream media folks come after me, et cetera. Bitcoin is probably the greatest incentive for renewable energy R&D at this point. Absolutely. Right? It's just the financial incentive to get the cheapest power is literally, as you stated, you, know, you guys are mining 10 Bitcoin a day. That's you know almost a quarter or half a million bucks a day of uh, revenue for just you, right? Not the whole industry. And so you just kind of keep going through. And I think today, you know, 35, $40 million a day in mining rewards around the world. And that's only going to continue to appreciate, like, there's nothing else that has that kind of pure free market capitalistic perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the there's some great analogies around Bitcoin being a store for energy, right? When you think about it. So we produce Bitcoin, it's a store of value. You can take that store of value and go buy energy somewhere else if you want. You can go buy whatever it is you want with it. So it's a great store. It's a great conversion uh, of value into dollars. And when you compare Bitcoin to other industries, actually, and you look at the energy inputs and the cost inputs, uh, carbon inputs even, for what they get out the other end of economic value creation, the Bitcoin mining industry is by far one of the most profitable and efficient at converting energy into profits. Uh, so I think it's going to continue to be a key part of um, the electrical uh, power grid question going forward. And I think it's going to grow in importance. But the other thing that's happening in the industry is 
we're also seeing a huge push for hardware to get more energy efficient. Mm-hmm. So now you're starting to see the joules or the watts per, kil- per terahash come down, and it's going to continue to shrink, which means we use less electricity for every terahash that we produce. So I think you're going to find that the power consumption of the Bitcoin mining industry is actually going to level off and eventually start declining as the efficiencies kick in. Yeah, and the other piece, and you know, I've written about it. I'm sure you guys have. Uh, plenty of people at this point is just like the legacy financial system has a very linear relationship between uh, serving more users, more transactions, and the energy consumption. So if I want more users, then I need more energy. If I want more transactions, I need more energy. Bitcoin, not necessarily, right? In terms of just the ability to stuff tons of economic value into a single block uh, and increase the economic value, but not necessarily increase that energy consumption. And so uh, a lot of the analysis that's done in terms of you know Bitcoin's going to do whatever in the future. It's just built off a premise that they just don't understand that one simple fact. Um, talk a little bit about geographic distribution in the mining industry, right? You guys are all focused uh, within North America. Mm-hmm. Um, there's tons of hash rate elsewhere in the world. Uh, is there a belief in your mind that it will stay you know, pretty decentralized? Do you think more and more of it will kind of uh, coalesce into the United States? How do you just think about where we are today and how that evolves over time? Yeah, I, I think the there's obviously a shift going on in China where mm-hmm. Inner Mongolia is shutting down mining. Um, I think um, the jury's still out as to how much mining will actually leave China. A certain percentage will. We're already seeing that. Um, but as the hash rate uh, in China starts dropping below 50% of the global hash rate in North America grows, I think you're going to find that you'll have kind of a 30-40% in Asia, 30-40% in North America, and then the balance in Europe and other ROW, so to say. Um, there's some great opportunities for Bitcoin mining in the Middle East, for example. You know, ma- imagine the solar power capability. So you know, Bitcoin can be mined anywhere you can get renewable energy. You don't need infrastructure. That's the beauty of the industry. And so I think you're going to see a pretty good decentralization going forward. It feels like uh, in some crazy way, the way that the Bitcoin system is built ends up with a globally distributed and decentralized system. uh, And the free market does work in this sense, right? Like we live in a world where every market is manipulated and we argue all day long over should be more or less manipulated, whatever. But this is kind of the last free market and it's working. Absolutely. It's kind of like um, economics is a bit like water running downhill. It'll always find its way downhill, right? And the Bitcoin market, you know, when you think about any time friction is introduced into the market, it moves around it somehow. And so I think, you know, there's always going to be the search for the cheapest power. There's always going to be the search for highest efficiency. And the market's just going to continue to develop and get better and better, more mature. And people are going to get just more used to dealing with these very decentralized businesses that are created uh, on the blockchain. So I'm super excited about, you know, the future. I think it's the equivalent of kind of 1997 in the Internet is where we are today in Bitcoin. Let's talk about Taproot. I know that uh, there were some of this was related to kind of the OFAC compliance mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So maybe just talk a little bit about uh, your understanding of what Taproot is and then uh, kind of the decision making process that goes into uh, signaling adoption or not adoption. Sure. For Marathon. Um, so you know, Taproot enables a couple of things. One, it's an underlying change that will enable the creation of smart contracts on uh, the Bitcoin blockchain. This is a really important thing. I think it's undersold because um, one of the key developments on the Ethereum platform is smart contracts. It lets you do these DeFi businesses. It lets you do really take Bitcoin and the blockchain to the next level. So between what people like Stacks are doing and other companies, Taproot is really going to enable the ability to do um, 
uh, the smart contract and the ability to have a contract that is gradually exposed as it's executed, which I think is a, a key part of that. Uh, it also allows for multi-sig uh, functions, which is going to be critical going forward. Um, why it took us longer to signal, uh, we had to migrate all our systems back to the vanilla core. And then we had to slowly bring all those systems up and uh, start signaling for taproot. So I believe actually today, as we're recording this, um, we're most probably signaling the first blocks today, most probably. Okay. Um, so it'll be either today or tomorrow, most probably, based on, you know, you have to win a block. Um, but uh, we fully deployed it, and now it's just a question of winning a block. So. Got it. Um, it feels like Marathon is uh, the quintessential example of uh, a business that was started, goes after Bitcoin uh, in terms of the mining, uh, by every measure is a Bitcoin company, right? Mm -hmm. From the philosophy behind it to the team, to the business you're actually in, the revenue driven, holding Bitcoin on the balance sheet, converting your cash into Bitcoin. Like, I mean, literally you go and check all the boxes. And then this ESG thing pops up, OFAC and Taproot. And it feels like almost overnight, the Bitcoin community went from like, that's awesome to like, you know, I mean, literally fuck marathon, right? And like, just like dump the stock and like mm -hmm. absolute, uh, I say only Bitcoin community can do like the chaos, you know, by flipping a switch. What is the thought process inside the company when all this is happening? Like how much of that uh, is like noise and sense of like, hey, we have a plan. We're going to continue with the plan versus like, no, we're listening to the community and we're trying to understand, you know, how much of it is like constructive feedback versus uh, just you know, people being idiots on the Internet. Right. Yeah. Like, like, how do you think through that? So great question. Um Initially, we were very focused on who are the buyers of Bitcoin mm -hmm. institutions? Who do we really want to support? What do we think they want? Not unlike any company that's a startup, right? You, know, you make your assumptions about what your clients are going to want. Um, when push came to shove, we realized they weren't willing to pay, as we were talking about before, for that value. And the community was very vocal. And uh, I'm a big believer that in these decentralized networks, you really have to do what's right for the community mm -hmm. because they do have a loud voice. And it's important to listen to that voice uh, because we all need to collaborate to make this uh, really work in the long run. And I think, you know, every Bitcoin has to be as fungible as every other Bitcoin. And it's just a question of really trying to balance running a business with the right governance and right compliance with doing what's right for the community and the overall growth of, you know, the crypto industry and the network. It's hard to speculate on what you would have done, you know, uh, or for situations that didn't occur. But if the institutions had said, hey, we are willing to pay more for this, do you think that you would have stuck to the guns and kind of continued down that path? Or do you think that the community kind of trumps revenue, right? And, and it's a weird question because you get into this, like, revenue is the point of a capitalistic you know, for-profit business is literally to get profit. Uh, but then there's like the community aspect to it, which isn't necessarily revenue driving, but could be beneficial or hurt the business as well. And so what, what's the trade-off there, I guess, or the framework to sure. decide? So I think one of the key aspects most people don't think about um, is that uh, there isn't an infinite supply of Bitcoin, right? There are 900 a day. And if one miner starts doing uh, full OFAC compliance, for example, uh, and filters Bitcoin, how many Bitcoin are they really going to create a day? And is that even enough to feed financial institutions? It's not um, by all, any practical means. So the economic value institutions could provide to miners for a differentiated Bitcoin, that equation doesn't really pencil today. It's a different story, I think, if um, a fund were to basically go to all the miners and say, listen, we want to buy only virgin coin. And here are the terms and conditions and we'll pay you this much more. 
Miners will then make the economic decision themselves as to what they're going to do. Um, but I think still, unlike the oil and gold industry where you can decide to turn on or turn off your reserves and you know grow volume uh, that way, we don't have that luxury in the Bitcoin industry. We can only buy more block. hardware. <laughs> and then you know what a lot of people don't realize is there's a lot of luck in mining Bitcoin. It's not just you're going to do it. Um, you know, you've got to be really good at what you're doing, and then uh, you've got to win the block. So you've got to have scale. And I think, if anything, what we're going to see is um, a kind of the market turning into, there'll be a group uh, of, you know, a number of large volume miners. You'll have a bunch of mid-tier miners who work very closely with hosting facilities that do kind of rev share deals. That's how they kind of capitalize their capex. And then you'll have small miners who are really just doing arbitrage on buying hash rate. And I think there's some really interesting markets that are going to develop in this industry around um, essentially doing derivatives based on hash rate. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, I can decide to buy a couple of tera hash on the open market, almost like you do energy credits. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we're going to start seeing that develop. And that's going to create a whole different asset class for institutional investors, because now you can actually invest in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Uh, and, you know, do arbitrage on derivatives that way, which I think is going to be really exciting as more and more financial products around that come out. I think we're just getting started. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> uh, two more things I want to talk about is uh, when we talk about community, um, most of us think of like the Internet, right? And that's Twitter, Reddit, uh, whatever else. Um, but you guys sit in a unique position because you talk to the leadership of other mining companies. You talk to, you know, what I'll call the whales or, or other large players in the market. Was there a difference between the response from the executives at other mining companies or like some of the larger players in the market versus what I'll just call like the internet? Uh, or did you hear kind of similar feedback across the entire ecosystem? We got similar feedback across the ecosystem. Our peers in the industry looked at us and said, you know, you guys aren't really playing by the good of the community. Got it. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting to kind of think through there, because right? I think that some of that is uh, unknown, right? Like how do other miners mm -hmm. feel about this? And and I guess another piece of the analysis would be if all of a sudden, you know, an institution came to say, hey, we'll pay you 10% more for that Bitcoin, how many of them would have called you up and said, hey, what, what's the criteria, right? Like, uh, fortunately, I think that didn't happen, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Second thing is, uh, I think it's called the Mining Council. Mm -hmm. uh, the meeting with Elon uh, that Michael uh, Saylor put on, just whatever you can say about in terms of like going into it, kind of what was your thought process of like, uh, we're going to participate in this. I, I think you guys participated. Mm -hmm. um, what were you hoping to get out of it? And then like at the meeting, I don't know how much you can talk about like what was actually discussed, but just like what did you get out of it? Right. So preface, I wasn't actually on the call. Okay. Our chairman, Merrick uh, Okamoto was on the call. But going into it, what we really wanted to do was um, really work with Elon to help him understand kind of what we're doing. Uh, you know, he put out a tweet that showed, you know, the carbon footprint, uh, if it was all based on coal, et cetera, et cetera, uh, of what was happening with power consumption. And so we really wanted to, A, address that with him, let him know kind of what we're doing and that we are much greener than, um, you know, he put out to say, and then offer the opportunity to collaborate. And, um, you know, while I think he tweeted after the meeting uh, a tweet that he was, uh, you know, going to collaborate with us, um, you know, we'll have to see. Kind of what he does. Uh, I put out an open invite to him yesterday on Fox, uh, you know, and said, "Hey, we'd love to work with you on a, the technology." Right? Mm -hmm. You know, renewable energy is a technology that needs investment, continue to drive the cost down. Battery storage and utility scale storage is a huge opportunity 
um, that will benefit every single consumer in North America and around the world. And the Bitcoin mining industry could fund a lot of that because it's helpful to what we're doing. So I would love to collaborate with them and any other technology providers in that space. Yeah. Um, I forget who said it, but somebody said the use of the word council, mm -hmm. right, was probably too, uh, yes. not thought out enough, right? And like maybe association would have given a different uh, inclination to it. Yeah. And so let's hold that constant of like, forget nomenclature for a second. What is your understanding of kind of like what this mining association council, whatever, uh, is going to do moving forward? Is it kind of like, hey, we're going to meet, you know, once a quarter and we're going to kind of just like help each other with best practices? Is it more of a, we're going to all publish the same report and with data? Uh, do you guys have Elon's cell phone number and you're going to like, you know, text them whenever <laughs> something happens? Like, like, how do you kind of just see this moving forward? Yeah, uh, I don't think we'll be texting him. Um, <laughs> He'll tweet at you guys. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll copy him on a, on a tweet or two. Or we might DM him. But um so, you know, the goal is uh, really to um, provide a forum, if you would, for any miner to basically come and learn and also for us all to educate the marketplace, uh, not just the regulators, but also the general marketplace about what we're doing. And so part of that is going to be publishing commitments. Here's what we intend to do over the next year. You know, we've publicly said that our next deployment will be fully carbon neutral and we'll uh, achieve uh, you know, full carbon neutral over our whole fleet by the end of next year. Um, and so we'll be held accountable to that. And, you know, even the small miners uh, to publish kind of, you know, here's our current power footprint, what we're, the sources we're using, here's where we're going to be, and then reporting on a regular basis, whether that's monthly or quarterly, that's to be seen. Uh, but the mission is really of education and information sharing. Um, it's not, uh, you know, I think somebody tweeted, you know, oh, this is OPEC for mining. It's not. For one thing, the market share of the members is fairly small still in the overall global hash rate. Um, and it's open to anybody who wants to join. Uh, you know, the good thing about this industry is every Bitcoin is the same. We don't control the price. The market controls the price. Um, so there's no product differentiation. Uh, there's no pricing differentiation. So it's really operational excellence. And it feels like uh, a big differentiation here is that, uh, as far as I understood from what I've read and people I've talked to, there's no like, hey, we're going to come together and make decisions, right? It's more so we're going to come together and what we're going to do is we're going to agree from a publishing standpoint, like what con uh, what content, what data should be shared. And, yeah. and it's more so um, uh, almost like industry standards more so than it was like, let's all make a decision on an action that we're going to take that has an effect on Bitcoin, the blockchain, the mining process, et cetera. Uh, and so in some way, if people can separate out like, hey, let's talk about what internal data we should share versus like, you know, some of the other meetings that have happened in Bitcoin that haven't turned out so uh, like, so, so well. Like 2017? Yes. Uh, you guys are basically doing the former, right? It's like, we have all this data. We understand our energy mix. We understand, um, you know, uh, so much of what each other's doing. Like, we should all come out and say it because it's going to be overall good for the yep. industry. And so looking forward, you're a publicly traded company. There's not too, too much you can say. But how do you see maybe like the mining industry in North America evolving? It sounds like you think more hash rates going to come into North America. It's going to get greener and Bitcoin kind of continues to do its thing. And you guys are just better stewards of mining and, you know, in public markets or, or kind of how do you think about what you guys are doing? Yeah, I think, yes, we're going to see greater growth in hash rate in North America, not necessarily because people are moving to North America, just the North American miners are now very well capitalized, you know, mm -hmm. both Riot, ourselves, Hive and others. Um, have now valuations that allow us to continue to deploy and grow. So um, you'll see that grow. 
as we get bigger, we have to be better at operating our companies, right? The environmental footprint that we create is big, and it's important that we are good stewards of that. Um, and we're, we have to be good stewards of our shareholders' capital. And so as fiduciaries, you know, public companies have a different responsibility than private companies in that um, we have a broader shareholder base, different interests. And it's really important for us that we provide our shareholders with great exposure to Bitcoin and help develop the market, but also provide a, a really great return on their investment. Mm -hmm. What's the thing that you're most looking forward to moving forward? Are there like a specific milestone or a certain development in not necessarily even just the Bitcoin mining, but just Bitcoin in general that you're like, hey, when this happens, like that'll be the next kind of big inflection point in terms of interest or, or anything like that? Yeah, I, when we start seeing DeFi um, businesses launching on Bitcoin, when we start seeing identity management platforms launching on Bitcoin, when we start seeing... Um, tokenized ownership of assets launching on Bitcoin, that's when we're starting to see the real mainstream. You know, if you go back to the internet analogy, mm -hmm. you know, late 90s, you had to buy Unix servers and write custom software to set up a website, and it was, you know, a multi, multi-million dollar exercise. Today, you want to sell online, you go set up a Shopify store. It's super easy. Um, and so I think the Bitcoin industry is moving there. The faster it moves there, um, the better. And I think we're still in that kind of uh, honeymoon period with a lot of these startups in the DeFi world um, where the concepts aren't, you know, fully crystallized. You know, there's a lot of really cool um, startups working today, some really cool things. We need to make them a little bit more regulator friendly. Um, and then I think as we start seeing them deployed on the Bitcoin blockchain, that's when you'll start seeing mainstream really take over here. Mm -hmm. Um do you have like a message to uh, kind of the Bitcoin community just in terms of like, hey, there's all this like nonsense that happened. It feels like now you guys are saying, okay, we're just going to do what every other miner's doing. Is that like a fair categorization? Yeah, I think a better way to say it maybe is, hey, we listened, right? We reacted and we want to maintain a dialogue. Mm -hmm. Keep talking to us. You know, uh, you know, I understand that if when you're not happy, you want to complain. But, you know, personal attacks uh, don't help necessarily. Let's have a dialogue. You know, we have said um, to a number of influencers in the industry, hey, listen, you know, we're more than happy to have a group of people sit down and talk with us and tell us what they think we should be doing. You know, we want that input. Um, so make it constructive. And, you know, I'm more than willing to sit down with any groups in the community and chat because I think there's a lot we could do together. The people that you went and told that to, what was their response? Were they generally receptive? They were very glad. Um, you know, I think what's interesting is on the one hand, you have the folks who say Marathon bent the knee <laughs> to use the Game of Thrones analogy, um, which is great because we did, right? We listened to the community and we did react. Um, but at the same time, we really want to work with the community to make Bitcoin everything it can be. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much still to be done in this industry. And, uh, you know, I think there's just a lot of people who want to do it. And if we all work together, I think we're going to get there much faster. I couldn't agree more. I listen. Uh, a sign of intelligence is changing your mind, right? Like that. Like that's not a bad thing, mm -hmm. right? It's actually a very good thing, and I think that uh, the world could probably benefit from people doing that more often, right? Listening to folks, getting more information, changing their mind. Uh, and uh, I think you guys are serving as a great example. Um, maybe we can all work together and get Elon to change his mind. <laughs> I, who, who knows where his mind is today? But uh, that would be the hope, right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, where can we send people to find you on the internet or find uh, more uh, about Marathon? Yeah, so I'm at Twitter, F-G-T-H-I-E-L. Um, and otherwise, go to Marathon's Twitter um, and just you know DM me on Twitter. I'm more than happy to chat with people that way.
Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for doing this. I hope you're enjoying the uh, Bitcoin conference. And uh, anyone who's got questions, just go talk to them. Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Of course.